Hello, wherever you're listening to us, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakli and this is today's Tech Briefing. Later in the program, I'll be speaking to Ranjit Mukundan, co-founder and CEO of Stellabs Technologies, about how his 10-year-old company is digitalizing dairy supply chains in India. That's after these headlines. Amazon's founder Jeff Bezos plans to be one of the passengers when New Shepard, the reusable rocket built by Blue Origin, the space company he started over 20 years ago, makes his first manned flight on July 20th. Bezos has invited his brother Mark along as well, the world's richest person announced on his Instagram page yesterday. A third seat is also being offered in the six-seater crew capsule that the rocket will carry and Blue Origin is currently auctioning that spot. The current high bid stands at $2.8 million and the bidding will conclude on June 12th with a live online auction. The entire flight will take about 10 minutes and the capsule will just cross the 100km mark from mean sea level and those on board the capsule will experience weightlessness for a few minutes before the capsule starts to descend. The rocket will return as well and the capsule will make a parachute-assisted landing near Blue Origin's launch site in Texas. The winning bid amount for the third seat will be donated to Blue Origins Foundation Club for the Future to inspire future generations to pursue careers in STEM and help invent the future of life in space, according to the company's website. Apple made a slew of announcements at its annual Worldwide Developer Conference yesterday, being held virtually, including enhanced privacy features on its upcoming iOS 15 software for smartphones. In iOS 15, with on-device speech recognition, audio of Siri requests is now processed entirely on iPhone by default and performance improve improves significantly. Mail privacy protection stops senders from learning whether an email has been opened and hides IP addresses so senders can't learn a user's location or use it to build a profile on them. App Privacy Reports offers an overview of how apps use the access that has been granted to location, photos, camera, microphone, and contacts in the last seven days and which other domains are contacted. The developer preview of iOS 15 is available to app developer program members at developer.apple.com starting yesterday and a public beta will be available to iOS users next month at beta.apple.com. New software features will be available this fall, meaning between September and December, as a free software update for iPhone 6s and later. Google was fined 220 million euros or 268 million dollars by France's competition authority which found that the internet search giant had abused its market power in the online advertising industry. The authority said in a statement yesterday that Google gave preferential treatment to its own proprietary technologies to the detriment of its competitors and publishers. These technologies include the Google Ad Manager brand both with regard to the operation of the DFP ad server which allows publishers of sites and applications to sell their advertising space and Google's SSP AdX sales platform which organizes the auction process allowing publishers to sell their impressions or advertising inventories to advertisers. Google did not dispute the facts and will settle, the French authorities said in its statement. Google has also proposed commitments to improve the interoperability of Google Ad Manager services with third-party ad server and advertising space sales platform solutions and end provisions that favor itself. G7, a group of some of the world's richest countries including America, yesterday agreed on a minimum global corporate tax rate of at least 15% on some of the biggest multinational tech companies on the globe. 
The agreement on which talks started some eight years ago will see tech companies such as Amazon, Google and Facebook taxed on the basis of where their products and services sold and make it difficult for them to use countries offering lower tax rates. The agreement aimed at preventing multinational companies from exploiting tax havens is expected to bring in tens of billions of dollars more in taxes to the coffers of the G7 countries each year. There is also a plan to seek broader international support for this tax agreement at a meeting next month of the group of 20 or G20 nations, which includes the G7 countries, but also China and developing economies such as India, South Africa and Argentina. It's one of the latest entrants into the world of hypercars, and the Nivera, named after a Mediterranean storm that races off the coast of Croatia, deserves the adjective hyper. It's the result of nearly a decade of work by a young Croatian entrepreneur, Mate Rimac and his eponymous car company Rimac Automobili and it's all electric with steer by wire and brake by wire features. Equipped with a 120 kilowatt hour battery powering four electric motors, one for each wheel, that make 1914 horsepower, the car can go from 0 to 100 kilometers per hour in two seconds. It can also achieve a top speed of 412 kilometers per hour. On a single full charge, the car can go 550 kilometers or between Mumbai and Pune and back twice almost and the battery can be charged up from 20% to 80% in less than 20 minutes with a fast DC charger. Rematch has also developed what it claims to be the world's first AI-based driver coach. The driver coach evaluates performance and provides guidance to optimize and enhance the driver's on-track performance. The AI coach taps into 12 ultrasonic sensors, 13 cameras, 6 radars and the latest NVIDIA Pegasus operating system. The driver coach feature will become available in 2022 and launched via over-the-air upgrades to already delivered Nivera cars whose hardware is ready for this feature. Rimach aims to make only 150 of these cars, each one priced at 2 million euros or 2.4 million dollars. India is the world's largest milk producing nation but as with many other sectors in the country, this one too is full of inefficiencies and the penetration of scientific methods has a long way to go. I spoke to Ranjit Mukundan, co-founder and CEO of Stellabs Technologies in Bangalore, about how his company has been bringing the power of digital to dairy supply chains in India. Soon, Stellabs may even introduce facial recognition of animals. Ranjit, thank you uh, for making time. Uh, welcome to this podcast. Um, for those of us who aren't very familiar with your work, uh, tell us about uh, how you started Stellabs and uh, what you're doing now. Sure. So uh, thanks, uh, Harry, for this, uh, for having me on this. So we started Stellabs in 2011, five co-founders. And at that time, all, all the five of us were working at Wipro. Uh, we've known each other uh, from about 96 onwards. Um, and we were looking at you know, solving uh, compelling problems in Indian context. And we looked at various segments and we figured that agri, in agri, there is a crying need for tech intervention. And, and, and at that time, Internet of Things was you know, becoming a big buzzword. And we figured that Agri is probably the best area to apply uh, you know, IoT because by its very nature, agriculture is remote. And, and you could use the, um, the uh, AI ML on the cloud as a reasonable substitute for lack of uh, expertise in premise in these you know, remote areas. Uh, so both of this became, uh, so, so we went deeper into agri and then we figured that, you know, milk, there's a lot to be done on the milk and dairy side. Um, and we figured that unlike other fruits and vegetables, milk is a daily velocity product. 
you know, it's seven point six percent of our GDP pre and post harvest both put together, uh, and 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 it's still the single largest source of protein in India, unlike the rest of the many countries where meat is the you know single largest you know, source of protein. And we said, yeah, let's uh, rally around milk and see how do we solve for uh, you know productivity, quality, traceability for milk. Uh, using you know all the deep tech that you know we have picked up you know over the years, so that's how we started. That's how we got around to solving this problem for uh, you know dairy. Uh, right now, as we speak, uh, we are trying to scale our solutions uh, you know across um, the dairy supply chain in India. Of course, the business models have changed from the time where we started. It's been ten years now, um, and it's a segment where. Um, you know, tech cannot be sold as tech. You need to, uh, you know, serviceify the tech, sell sell tech as a service. Um, you know, also use the uh, access that we have built, you know, across the dairy supply chain uh, to uh, enable other value added services um, like cattle nutrition, cattle pharmaceuticals, uh, artificial insemination, um, a whole bunch of whole slew of uh, value added services can be enabled using the digital access network that we have built across the supply chain, starting from the uh, farms uh, through to the uh, consumer. So that's what we're doing, building out our um, digital access network. Uh, we have onboarded about three and a half, uh, close to over three million, three million farmers on our platform. We have digitized about close to two mil, 12 million liters of milk flow per day. And so we are, you know, expanding and also going vertically deeper, as I mentioned, to enable uh, amongst those areas where we have already deployed the digital access network in 35,000 villages. How do I go deeper and provide more value-added services for the dairy farmers as well as for consumers like you and I who want, you know, better quality milk? So that's essentially what we're doing as we speak. Uh, so let's uh, go one step deeper into what you've built up. Explain to us the main uh, technologies and solutions that you have developed so far. Sure. So the first uh, first component of a tech intervention is a data hook layer. So what the data hook layer does is that using a combination of sensors, sensor controllers, and IoT routers, uh, it gets the data out at a, from every part of the dairy supply chain. Right? The dairy supply chain includes uh, to start with the farm from it's a very small holder farm uh, two to three animals from the farm the milk moves to the milk collection center where the milk is aggregated in a village and from there it moves to a chilling center or a, where milk is chilled in a bulk milk cooler and then it moves to a processing plant what we do is at each of these places we deploy sensors sensor controllers iot routers to get the data out of the milk or about the animal uh, for example, at the at the farm, we have uh, you know things like an animal wearable. Uh, it's like a Fitbit for the cows that gives you data about the animals, how the animals are performing, how do you optimize for animal breeding, and so on and so forth. Uh, preventive healthcare of the animals, um, for instance. Um, and then we have an Android app that helps us you know Uberize village level technicians uh, who who intervene at the farm level. These are technicians um, like the artificial insemination technicians, uh, paravets, veterinary doctors, farm intervention technicians uh, who hitherto would only 
uh, you know, react to a call coming to them for particular service, but now they could proactively tend uh, to, uh, you know, preventive healthcare regimes from a sickness management regime, uh, you know, optimize their time to tend to more number of people from an artificial insemination point of view, and hence optimize breeding, and you know, so on and so forth. So that's another uh, intervention that we do. And finally, we also do, we have always taken an ecosystem-led approach where we enable other participants like banks and um, banks and insurance companies also to participate uh, on our digital highway that we have built. Um, and so hence, we also work on things like facial recognition of animals at the farm, um, which is not rolled out yet, but that's something that we've started uh, you know, trialing to see how do you uniquely identify an animal using facial recognition so that if a bank or an insurance company wants to participate uh, in, in a very effective manner uh, without having to worry about any ID manipulation that happens in our villages, uh, they could use our platform uh, to identify animals in a foolproof manner. So this is a kind of intervention that happens at the farm site. And as you move from the farm to the collection center, uh, we use the same components, uh, an IoT router, and uh, um, um, an IoT device, which in this case is a seven inch or a 10 inch Android tablet that helps you acquire data about the milk quality and the amount of milk that each farmer pours on a per farmer basis. So on a per farmer basis, we uniquely grade price um, and also enable digital payments for the dairy farmer at this collection center. And then also then use the data to build um, uh, credit scores that can help us uh, you know, roll out uh, all, uh, better loan products for these dairy farmers. Because a significant portion of the dairy farmers are not, um, are, are not are new to credit. They don't have a score. So how do you ensure that you know, which farmer needs to get what kind of a loan so that they are you know, better, uh, they can use the money to improve their uh, you know, product productivity levels at the farm, buy better nutrition for their animals and, and, and so on and so forth. So the idea is to use this data to also enable fintech services uh, and credit services uh, like a neobank for these uh, farmers. So we're almost like a dairy neobank for these dairy, uh, for these uh, smallholder uh, you know, farmers. Um, and so that's, and also what happens at the farm is visible to us at the collection centers. And if you want to pro, you know, produce, uh, 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 if you want to supply, let's say antibiotic free milk, you could also use our systems to segregate milk from Okay, this milk can potentially have antibiotic. This milk is probably antibiotic free, and hence this is these are the steps you know we need to take. Types. Uh, so these are kind of interventions we do at the collection center and the chilling center, which is the next hop in the supply chain. We ensure that as the milk arrives across the supply chain into the chilling center, there are no anomalies that creep in by way of someone removing good milk and adding fresh milk. Uh, we use technologies that cro cross correlate the per farmer collection that happened at the collection center at the chilling center data at a per can level and every of this can can be traced back to the farm right so we maintain a unique map of every animal that maps to a farmer id and every farmer that maps to a particular can id where this milk is aggregated typically a 40 liter can every can id eventually maps to a you know collection center and every collection center then maps to a chilling center um, and then something goes wrong in a can of milk, you know, we have to trace it back to. So it's a, it's a very strong traceability link that we have built, uh, given that we, we do measurements across the supply chain. 
And at the chilling center, we also do another important thing that is to optimize cold chain to ensure that the milk is neither over chilled nor under chilled. So if you want to convert milk into, let's say, a, a Kanazwa grade cheese, uh, the milk better be really good from a cold chain perspective. Uh, milk is probably the most perishable crop in out there if you consider milk as a crop, right? And hence the cold chain becomes extremely critical. And how do you also optimize it for energy consumption? Because you chill milk every single day, right? Uh, you know, Two billion kilowatt hours of energy is spent roughly in India in chilling milk. Uh, and, and how do you optimize it? Because it might, you might be chilling it using diesel and you know close to half a billion liters of diesel might be burnt in India for chilling milk. So how do you optimize it for energy? So not just for optimizing it for quality of milk, which of course is the first and foremost thing that we do. And secondly, we also optimize it for grid. So we use a, we use a bunch of six sensors at these at these chilling centers to optimize for quality and energy consumption. And these include things like volume sensor, temperature sensor, sensors that tells you whether the bulk milk cooler is being chilled uh, using grid energy or diesel. Uh, and other, uh, you know, sensors which tells us, you know, which component of the bulk milk cooler is working effectively, which is not working, so that if there's a breakdown, um, we can estimate it in advance to say if, if a particular component of a bulk milk cooler is going to, you know, is going to uh, undergo a breakdown, right? So, so these are things that we do, and we stitch all this data together, you know, across the supply chain to fundamentally ensure that the productivity, quality, and traceability you know, most of the next orbit from the current orbit. So that's sort of the one level deeper into what kind of tech we deploy, Hari, and how it helps in improving the productivity, quality, and traceability across the supply chain. So it occurs to me that uh, you're probably also uh, doing an increasing amount of analytics on all this data that you collect and probably also giving uh, uh, the farmers insights into what's happening with their cows and cattle and so on. Uh, how does this work? They would have a mobile app, I'm guessing. Yeah, so what we do is absolutely for us, uh, you know, analyzing this data and providing insights and you know, outcomes is the most fundamental uh, you know, approach that we have taken across these for all the stakeholders. Of course, farmer is the most important you know, stakeholder. Uh, and there are other important stakeholders in the supply chain, like an artificial insemination technician, the, um, the paravets, vets, and all of them. Farmers, not all of them do have do not still have a smartphone. Though a significant percentage of them do have um, this, so we were in the process of integrating it, integrating the alerts that we sent as SMS, as WhatsApp alerts. So that work is going on. So that at least farmers who have WhatsApp can get multimedia-rich uh, uh, content that we can push, you know, from our system. So these insights that they get, be it the farmer collection center uh, or the paravets vets. The insight includes things like what's the right time to inseminate the animal uh, to improve the probability of pregnancy, right? What's the right nutrition that they should be, you know, giving to the farmer, giving to the cows at the right time? So they, it could be a, it could be a calf, it could be a heifer, it could be an animal that's about to lactate, uh, or it could be the 90th day of lactation. So how do you give the right nutrition at the right time? So that that those kinds of alerts so that the farmers animals. Uh, their productivity can be yield can be improved uh, in over time. Uh, similarly, uh, they get alerts on if there is a particular um, you know a health issue that might creep in because the activity levels are trending down. They might say that a particular animal uh, is going to fall sick and hence someone needs to tend to it before it becomes clinically sick. So can we catch sickness at the subclinical uh, you know, level? 
um, so nutrition related, breeding related, sickness related, uh, any vaccination related, uh, right? If how do you know that which animal needs to be vaccinated at what time, uh, what time of the year, so that they don't fall, you know, sick to some of the pandemic-like scenarios that we are going through when the animals go through such scenarios, right? Uh, and, and so these are the kind of alerts they get, uh, you know, across uh, as, as farmers. Um, other stakeholders too, be it pets, paravets, they get similar uh, in alerts. Um, if uh, a para would get, would get an alert saying, okay, which is a, what's the right time to inseminate an, an animal um, so that they can plan um, ahead of time before being called by the farmer, they know ahead of time that uh, this kind of this village potentially they need to go to you know point a b c and d and then finish all the work within four hours to improve their effectiveness of their uh, insemination that they they perform so these kind of inputs they get but as i said the cold chain folks get analytics such as if they want to make you know better cheese which, which is a route from where they need to collect milk because that lends itself for making cheese better or if you want to make paneer, you probably need milk with better protein, not with fat, right? Because paneer is, you need better SNF or solid, not fat. So how do you collect better quality of milk in a particular route from a particular group of villages so that you can make, you know, better, you know, paneer? So those are other kinds of analytics that we do, not just farmer-facing analytics, so that uh, whoever uses our tech, they get enough data to also see how do you uh, improve uh, your product mix not just you know sell milk as milk for tea and coffee how do you improve uh, you know make uh, make better products like cheese and paneer that might give you you know higher uh, you know margins and then cold chain analytics such as you know how do you optimize for energy and should you actually switch from a dg to grid because by by mistake you're running dg even though you had grid power so across the supply chain we do a significant amount of analytics so that all stakeholders can get the several insights and outcomes to overall improve the supply chain um, from the current levels of its efficiency. So, so today, uh, give us a sense of how, with your intervention, uh, a farmer's income uh, has improved before and after. Yeah, so the farmer's income can improve significantly. As I said, uh, since we're using a combination of tech, services and market linkage, right? Services include financial services right it significantly improves for example a farmer doesn't just get to improve the yield of his animal he also gets to add more animals because they underwrite risk to improve the herd size uh, so farmer in our network can might start from a three animal farmer but it can go up to 10 to 12 animals uh, you know over time so that his cumulative throughput from the day he starts can go up in you know, over time over a period of 18 to 24 months can can go up and hence We've seen that you can have an order of magnitude over 100x in the improvement in the net income. It's not even gross income, right? So to begin with, he, he might be a typical you know, farmer earning about, let's say, uh, maybe a uh, thousand bucks um, kind of amount per month or even lesser overall. Um, in, in South, in North, it can be even, even lesser. And that can improve, uh, you know, 100x over two-year time with our intervention, um, which includes in, in, improving the yield per cow, improving the number of cows itself uh, on, on at the farm because of the loans that we enable by underwriting risk using all the data that, that we get, and using more scientific management of the animals at the farm so that uh, this can, um, so that over time, 
uh, it's just not about increasing the top line for the farmer. You also can optimize on the cost uh, because it's not that easy uh, for the farmers to get um, uh, you know laborers at the farm. So if as they grow, right? Uh, from uh, so how do you how do uh, a husband and wife pair manage a farm of ten to twelve animals? What are the techniques that they need to follow? How do those how does those do those alerts that goes to the phone? How do they need to tend to it? Uh, so as a combination of the various interventions, it sort of we have seen a hundred x improvement in the net margin is possible over a period of two years. It's not because they become super rich; it's because they're so poor. A small uh, small increase looks like a lot of increase uh, because the current baseline is so 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 very low. Hmm. Uh- Explain uh, your business model to us a little bit. How does uh, Stellaps make money? Yeah, so we work through uh, in a B two B manner. So we work, of course, we have a um, we work B two F uh, directly with the farmers for some of the services, uh, but predominantly it's been B two B through the dairy processors. So we we sell most of our services and approach uh, most of our services and commerce through the dairy processors. Uh, so these are dairy processes like milk cooperatives, private dairies, uh, like you know Hudson, ITC, Britannia, kind of folks. So we sell our tech stack through all of these dairy processors, and then we also use once we have put out our tech stack, which is the first step. We also enable services uh, like cattle nutrition, uh, you know AI and other services. So when it comes to these services, we would. Uh, you know, both, we would also work with the farmers directly in a retail in a fashion. Um, so this could be um, an existing cooperative and through the existing through the societies that they have where the farmers walk in every day they, and where we've already deployed our tech stack, we might start you know, providing the cat nutrition like facilities directly. So the idea is to provide the um, start with a dairy processor in a dairy downward manner put out a tech stack, charge for this tech stack uh, to these uh, dairy processors. And once the tech stack is already deployed, then we start providing services directly uh, you know, to the uh, farmers um, in a retail fashion. It, as I mentioned, we get nutrition, it could be insurance, it could be um, financial services. So that's where we make money. We make money from the dairy processor by deploying the tech and then by providing services to these dairy farmers we make money from the farmers as well because for every service we provide we charge a commission you know for that uh, service also interestingly we just recently about a year ago we started providing some of these services um for uh, to the consumer so for example if if you want to drink antibiotic free milk uh, through a private label provider it could be a super daily for instance you could actually buy mumak milk uh, or mumak cheese or mumak paneer uh, so that uh, all the tech that we deploy, uh, how do you put it to make sure that the best reaches your table or your glass, right? You may not be able to get that from a dairy cooperative because they've been a traditional way of selling a particular particular type of milk or value-added product. But through our Mumark network, as we call it, uh, you get highly traceable, high-quality you know products through some of our you know brand partners like a Super Daily who provides this. Uh, or it could be a parlay, it could be, you know, ITC. We don't sell things directly, brand and sell things directly to the consumer. But if you are a brand and want to sell differentiated product to the consumer, then we could take care of the entire end-to-end process for you and, and ensure that high-quality platinum-grade cheese, you know, reaches your fridge 
or or a good glass of milk which is a milk so that's something that we started enabling about a year ago mainly because we figured that a lot of private lab, private label um, providers want to provide you know high quality dairy products to the consumers because uh, after covid a lot of people started buying things online and hence um, direct to consumer channels were getting more popular and a lot of them wanted to didn't want to get backward integrated, but provide high quality milk and value added products. So we started providing even those uh, services uh, to those uh, brand partners who operate typically in these metros and the other tier two, tier three cities. Okay, uh, what are the next big steps at Stellops? Yeah, the next big step uh, that we are trying to do is we are trying to uh, one. 3x the number of farmers on a platform in the next three years. That's number one, to ensure that uh, we are horizontally growing and we can touch about 10 million farmers in the next you know, three years in the current you know, three, three, uh, three million. That's one goal that we're working towards, number one. Number two, we also want to become the de facto digital proxy for any commerce that happens in the dairy supply chain. Uh, it's a $225 billion market, both pre and post harvest. How do I become the de facto digital proxy in India so that any um, stakeholder, be it a farmer, be it a consumer like you and I, be it a distributor, retailer, uh, any commerce that happens, we'd like to become the de facto digital proxy through whom the commerce is enabled and drive on economies of scale. So to that extent, uh, you know, we become like the Amazon of the dairy supply chain. So the idea is to grow and become an become an Amazon of the dairy supply chain in the next uh, you know three. That's the second. The third is also work on deploying deep uh, you know tech. Uh, we, we are a very R and D intense company. Uh, we're working on things like facial recognition of animals, a lot of data science. How to ensure that there more and more tech can be deployed so that the Amazon vision that I articulated can be done extremely efficiently. Uh, and in a manner where this blueprint can also be replicated in other emerging countries. Uh, India is just um, one part, huge market, but obviously what we do in India can be replicated in other markets as well. We already have a small subsidiary in France, um, and so what we do here can be replicated there. Replicated there. The idea is uh, using all the deep tech intervention that we do, the giant leaps that we take, can some of these be replicated in the other markets as well? So this would be the three things that we would, you know, the three big things that we would focus on in the next sort of a three-year plus type of a window. Excellent. Uh, this is fantastic, Ranjit. Uh, thank you so much again for making time for this conversation. And uh, I always like to say uh, I'd like to keep the conversation going. Sure. Thanks, Harry, for this uh, morning uh, chat. Uh, enjoyed this uh, discussion. Uh, look forward to, uh, you know, uh, interacting with you more as we progress. That was Ranjit Mukundan of Stellabs Technologies. That's it for this briefing. You can find all our podcasts on ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakali. Thank you for listening.